This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Back of the chest. (coughs) Coronavirus self-isolation podcast. Hello and welcome to Back of the Nest. I'm Chris Hambling and I'm your host as we look to keep some sense of normality by bringing you this podcast. We're talking some general football stuff, playing a game and we'll probably reference the current world changing events a bit. Uh, I'll introduce you to the panel after this short message. No paywall, no subscription. Back of the nest. Fan created podcasts, videos and articles. Free forever. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Right, so time to meet the team. Mr. Mike Scott, hello. You're right. I'm am delightful. Um, and we you know we've got plenty to talk about, but I think we better rush and introduce the other person on the panel. It's Sam. It's Clacker, isn't it? I have to say Clacker. Clacker, yes. Clacker. Yes. Like like um the things that go on bike spokes when you're a kid. Like two hard balls of resin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, there you go. Well, welcome, Sam. Do you do a lot of producing? Obviously, first time really sort of as an actual co-presenter. How are you feeling? Uh, apprehensive, like I'm the wrong side of the microphone. Mm. Well, that, I mean, that can happen. Usually it sounds quite tinny if you're on the wrong side of the microphone. But um, yeah, I mean, app- you've already used the word apprehensive, which means you're probably not going to fit in. But hey, let's let's <laughs> talk about the... The, the the topic i'm going to start with some stuff myself so i'm currently in a period of self-isolation i mean that's a general thing that i do anyway so it's not that different but um it's funny how i usually quite like spending time in my flat and not bothering to go out but after having a, a sort of high temperature and a, and a persistent cough for a few days um i'm following advice I get, i've got really annoyed that i can't go outside so um yeah, weird that. It's that thing that, you you know, if you can't do something, you want to do it. But there you go. Disappointing. And it's also playing havoc with my, uh, you know, with my dating life. And I've got, I've got three dates now lined up, but I just can't go on them. Um, you know, do people really think about the cost? 
I don't think so. I mean, no one in the papers is talking about the destruction to my dating life. Uh, one of them's a nurse, though. I'm not sure I want to go through with that date. It's possibly a, a high-risk one or potentially some sort of free treatment. Hmm. Thoughts, Sam? Go for it. <laughs> I don't really understand. I don't understand dating. So. <laughs> no, but you usually do stick your nose into it because you're obviously trying to live vicariously. Usually it's it was, you know, when we were out drinking in Brighton, you were badgering Mr. Clark repeatedly for dating stories, weren't you? Well, he's very open and, and um like free spirited with his uh, comments mm. about dating, so it's more entertaining to me. I see. You I'm... keep everything very closed off and well, I'm a very secretive person, um, mm. and, and with good reason. So anyway, that's that's my life under coronavirus so far. Mike, some holiday woes for you. Yeah, there is. I mean, it's hard to call yourself a secretive person after you've just told everyone that you're, you've are you got three dates lined up and one of them's a profession that was named in that as well. But um, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, the good thing about being at home, I think, is that uh, if... Pornhub follows suit as they've done in Italy. They're going to be offering uh, premium free for people that are self-isolated. So you might be lucky in that respect. Do you, do you think that's connected to the um, suggestion that I saw very early on in the news regarding this epidemic that uh, masturbation increases your um, immune system effectiveness? I didn't know that. That's another fringe benefit. Uh, excellent, excellent news. No, I, I've um, I've come to terms with the fact I was meant to be going to Malaga um, on Tuesday. I've I'm finishing my current job, which I've grown to despise. And if anyone's caught coronavirus, it's me because I've been hanging around eight hundred odd kids and a load of tossy teachers. So um, yeah, I was looking forward to a few days before I start my new job over in Spain. But they've locked down, and yeah, I'm going to be. Hanging out in Hastings instead, I would have thought. Um, get some money got, back, do you reckon? Uh, yeah, it looks like money's coming back. Uh, I've got my 2018 Palace Beer Festival mug in front of me now, and I think it's probably going to stick to my mouth for the next the next few days. So could be worse. Yeah, exactly. And Sam, what uh, what effect has the whole thing had on your profession? It's quite hard to do archaeology from home, to be honest. So we're going to see how it goes. You mean you could, you know, try to excavate the lower parts of the house and find out what's underneath? I, I dread to think. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I could start start test pitting in my garden, but the neighbours might complain. Maybe, maybe. But you have been forced, I believe, to spend some more time with your husband. And, and how's that been going? Yes, well, the, the, the fact that there's no football has... Um, kind of caused us to spend the weekend together which uh we haven't killed each other yet but that's all you can hope for isn't it two two more weekends and i i it'll be rocky i reckon <laughs> well good luck um time for me to mention the pitch sport pitch sport i can say it pitch sport football app um obviously google pitch sport football you can download the app from there and join us um usually we'll chuck up a fan time question of the week obviously a little bit um bear at the moment due to the fact there isn't any football but um i'm sure dr will be quick to put a video up there as soon as it is relevant and if you want to add me on that app my code is kugkut i've got a few people on there i'm currently topping the prediction league there which makes me feel better about how bad i am at fantasy football 
And obviously, if you do want to get in touch with the show at any point, you can chuck us a WhatsApp message on 0203 575 1266. Socials are at Nest CPFC on Instagram, at Back of the Nest on Twitter, Back of the Nest on Facebook, Back of the Nest on YouTube. And you can email us hi at backofthenest.com. And don't forget to get your five star reviews in on your chosen podcast app. Hmm, that's all that done, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> I'm a bit, a bit wheezy. Hopefully nothing, nothing too serious. <clears throat> right, first topic. What? Well, I know you don't particularly want to talk about it, Mike, but I guess we've got to talk about what we do with the season, and we've got some listener questions. But a kindly reminder from Dave Hill that to make sure that during the recording of this podcast, we do sit at least six foot apart. Uh, I'm in Reading. Uh, Sam, you are just outside of Brighton. Mm-hmm. And Mike in Hastings. So I think we've managed that. Oh, and Mikey's producing and he is in deepest, darkest Kent. I don't know what to give his location away. He's, he's even more secretive than I am. I'm not even sure he's a real person. So anyway, I want to talk about the specifics around um, a couple of personalities from a couple of clubs who've um, gone into the news and, and stated their position. Obviously, they're thinking only about the health and well-being of the nation and coming up with a sensible approach. And those two clubs speaking were Brighton and Hove Albion and West Ham United. Uh, Paul Barber from Brighton and Karen Brady from West Ham, both of whom were sure that the season should probably end now, keep the positions as they are. That's the only fair way to do it. And mysteriously, that would mean both avoiding relegation as it stands. Uh, incredibly transparent um, and, and just nonsensical and, and quite offensive, Mike. Well, Brady's gone for um, the humanitarian approach. Um, so she said, there are, of course, financial implications. Wages and transfer debts must be paid. And there is lost broadcast revenue, lost matchday income. But this pales into insignificance to the health and well-being of everyone, which must come first. Um, so she seems to have gone, um, she's gone against everything she stands for by uh, assuming that uh, what she cares about most is people um so from that i can only assume that she's bullshitting because she doesn't want west ham to go down yeah i wonder if it's connected at all to the fact that that west ham don't actually have the right to play in the london stadium beyond the end of this regular season either because all of the different events that are booked up there would kind of get in the way of them hosting any home games hmm i wonder and of course brighton well sam you know you're very close sadly to brighton um and paul barber obviously deeply concerned with the, the general well-being of the nation. And, of course, there's no danger with their terrible running of them getting relegated, right? No, of course not. No. I think um, I, I'm i still of the opinion that the bottom six teams should all do a relegation off because if the top six teams of the championship have an opportunity to go up automatically or go into playoffs, surely you should offer the same courtesy to the the bottom six of the Premier League. Well, he uh, he he initially says, in, in fairness, in his interview, um, that it, it is going to benefit them. Um, but he uh, he also thinks that everyone benefits by it becoming a twenty-two team league next season. Forgetting, of course, that there are a good eight teams uh, jostling for the playoff places that have slogged their slogged their guts out way more than Brighton have this season. So again. I think probably a bit of a bellin. But also, how is it fair on Aston Villa, who still have a game in hand, if you're just 
Well, apparently they're, they're going to go for the points average so far, uh, meaning that um, they're going to end up with sort of, you know, just under one point. So he's already worked out. You can do the maths before coming up with the plan. So it seems a little bit sneaky, got to say. Well, it is because, you know, you can come up with any scenario, can't you, where your team benefits the most. And of course, Steve Parrish, uh, tongue in cheek on Twitter, was very much behind the idea that we decide the table on the form from the last three games, meaning Palace are champions of the uh, of the English Premier League, which is nice, isn't it? I was I was really down with that. I was I was absolutely loving that post until I, I looked into a bit more and realised for some inexplicable reason Arsenal had only had their last two games included, um, and then somebody pointed out that if you do include all three Arsenal games, um, they would actually win the title. So. Apparently, they, they, what, how they did it was because Arsenal have had a, a game postponed. Um, they they couldn't have three games. So as long as as long as that's part of the deal, they're next. I mean, technically, if you included the game against Sheffield United, who are playing, you know, very very well, I, I, you know, I'd say that's a draw all day. Paul's panel results, so we still win. There you go. Um, but anyway, so on this topic, Richard Evans got in touch um, in one of our calls to arms for some topics to talk about. And he's asked the following. Uh, well, suggested the following. If it's possible to start playing again within a month or two, perhaps get all the fixtures done by extending the season into the summer, which is obviously one topic that's been discussed at length. Uh, but then the, then added that if it's much longer term, um, would there be any need to pause anything for about a year and pick it up again in 2021? Uh, so effectively, the season becomes sort of over two years instead of one. Uh, obviously, pointing out the serious financial implications. You've got players' contracts, players still earning wages in that time. And obviously saying that, you know, that sort of some kind of partial suspension of pay. So, you know, he's sort of delving into the various different complications that any solution really comes at. So he, he does say he doesn't really agree with ending the league as it is now uh, for the reasons we've kind of discussed already. Um, and obviously declaring the year null and void is also unfair, but if there's no better option. Probably that's that, that's the best. And I, I was kind of interested um in the general topic, and lots of people have been mentioning the fact that um, in wartime something was a little different. But before I get into the detail of that, Mike? Yeah, they did mention this in the preview pod, which in retrospect is one of the most pointless pods of all time um, in that they assumed the game was going ahead and it, it didn't. So I don't know if we're just going to like recycle that and put it back out when before the game finally does happen. Um, but I think it's worth, just before we discuss this, revisiting a comment from Patrick O'Connor on there. He's usually, I think, um, he's, he's a very sage man. He comes up with a lot of very clever stuff, much cleverer than the crap I usually come out with. Um, but they were discussing the options that have been put forward about uh, playoffs for um, European places, for relegation and for winning the, the title and whether it would be pretty funny if Man City uh, managed to beat Liverpool in a one-off game to win the uh, to win the title. So I think it's worth just going over his comment again, having a listen again for those who haven't heard it, um, and just uh, just just seeing what he says. Um, I think Brighton should just get automatically relegated. Um, <laughs> don't, need, don't need a player for that. Or just have, have them play Watford in a playoff, but then they both go down regardless of the result. <laughs> good. Uh, I think Liverpool don't get to win the league. Well, could you imagine they do that and it becomes like a Man City-Liverpool final and Liverpool are 30 points clear or whatever and City beat them in a one-off, in a one-off final? That would be so great. <laughs> oh, how great would Liverpool fans? They'd all commit suicide. It'd be great. It'd be <laughs> it would be. 
Yeah, we're, we're, you know, car, karma's a bitch. We're all still smarting from the not making Europe in the 90s. That's so, right. Uh, <laughs> How great would it be Liverpool fans all commit suicide? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I hope there's not too many Liverpool fans listening, but uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's sort of slightly out of the blue, that from Patrick, but uh, you can't help but share in the joy. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think there's too much joy in actual suicide. I'm sure that's not what Patrick meant, but... Oh, I mean, the devastation. I mean, you can all. I mean, Kenny Dalglish was in the news today talking about how unfair it would be if, if the league was cancelled. Of course, you think that, Kenny, but um, sometimes, you know, football is less of a priority. And, and going back to what I was talking about, I'm, I'm probably going to end up reading some of the stuff directly from Wikipedia with the way things are going here. But, you know, it's interesting that during the, during the war, um, Basically, the entire football league was suspended, um, and they also got rid of the FA Cup, and they created the wartime league and the football league war cup, um, which was very, very interesting. So there's lots of stuff in there, but there's things that I wanted to pick out that I thought were fascinating. Um, so there's lots of th- regional divisions and things like that. So you had sort of lesser teams and um, players playing for various different clubs, where, wherever their registration was held, and all that kind of stuff, um, as well as lots of players actually going, joining the TA and going and fighting in the war and also sort of being part of the home guard and things like that. But interestingly, of all, in all the divisions, um, there were divisions in the sort of south. There's one in the southwest and two in the south, played in two sections. And you had winners of those leagues. And the winners in, the, in those leagues were Arsenal, Tottenham, Queen's Park Rangers and Crystal Palace, of course. Um, so we actually we actually won something in that league, which was great. Uh, and then in 1940 to 41. Palace were champions of the South League again with Preston North End winning the North. Um, so there you go. Some actual success for Palace. So maybe it's not that bad a thing. That flies in the face of a comment that somebody's written on Wikipedia about the league saying the wartime league produced very few memorable moments for fans of clubs who managed to play. So uh, clearly not including Palace fans. And let's not forget that essentially the Zenith Data Systems Cup um, was created, you know, similar duress when we weren't allowed in uh, into Europe. So... Well, exactly, you know that. What I was, I was there at the old Wembley, watching us win that against Everton, four-one after extra time. Glorious, glorious day and a, and a victory that lives long in the memory. Um, but there you go. So you know, obviously, football went on in some form, but um, but it's not exactly unprecedented this situation. Uh, and interestingly, one of the other things that came out of it, and I quite. I'm obviously going to say this for for a joke that will become apparent if you know your football history to a point. Um, so for those of you that do know, in, enjoy this. So in wartime, actually, it was a centre forward, a very famous centre forward for Newcastle United called Jackie Milburn, who actually made his debut. And uh, I think I think that's why his nickname was War Jackie. That was. Um, uh, for, I mean, maybe editing some some kind of tumbleweed or something. I would suggest some uh, really heavy laughter should be edited into that. Um, in fact, now, if we can edit in now. <laughs> and uh, warranted it was too. So there were, there were controversies. War controversies? Were controversies. Um, interestingly, relating to the prospect of large gatherings. So at one stage... Um, they restricted the attendances to something like, I think it was 5,000, then it became 10,000 and 15,000 because basically people wanted to go and watch football. And we've already seen 
elsewhere where football um, was played behind closed doors. Huge amounts of people gathering in the streets. So you know, pretty much puts the idea of playing the rest of the league behind closed door behind closed doors pretty much out of the question um but they obviously they had sort of challenges to meet particularly around sort of player stats and appearances because you know effectively all the games were considered friendlies it was just you know football for the sake of football if you like so none of the appearances none of the goal scoring and even in the international games that were played none of those actually counted in people's career statistics so there you go thought a little bit of history for you little something hopefully of interest but let's crack on with some of the other comments. Now, I was trying desperately to get Dr. Kernas on this show, and we were going to get him to sing a few songs for you for 20 seconds apiece. Uh, and Nathan would have loved to hear Dr. getting to grips with the uh, phrasing of Tiffany's I Think We're Alone Now, and what a tune that will be. So I promise I'll do my best to, um, to, to get that done over the course of this break in a future podcast. Uh, Vince Flynn got in touch and said, could we present a masterclass on how to make homemade soft paper, presumably for toilet use? Um, I think now's an excellent time to talk about the uh, stockpiling of toilet paper. Hey, Mike, how much toilet paper you got? I have two and a half rolls. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not good, is it? Um, I've got about the same in kitchen roll if need be, but... Um, I think my mum doesn't often say anything sage that I particularly take. Mostly she just asks me to fix her laptop. But um, she said, I think what's going to happen, the worst thing that's going to happen is that there's going to be blocked toilets all around the country where people try and wipe their ass with other stuff that isn't toilet paper that doesn't flush. So um, let's, all, let's all give a thought to that, people. Well, Sam, you got any tips for, um, for for toilet paper issues? or you know, And, and how much have you got stockpiled? I mean... I'm not saying we bulk buy, but 72 rolls. Um, oh, for but... fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're in your own house, surely you can just hop in the shower and hose down if you need to, right? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, B-days are a thing. Now, obviously, I don't have a B-day, and probably most people in this country don't. Um, we did have one removed I'm... from our bathroom fairly recently, so oh, that was a mistake, sad. clearly. Yeah, not not thinking ahead there, are you, honestly? Um but you know, yeah, you can uh, can wash the old the old Aris, can't you? <laughs> um, as you say, in the privacy of your own home, probably not with a hose pipe in the street. But hey, if needs must, and all that. Um, but yeah, a bit weird how people have reacted. I mean, obviously, there aren't any really real toilet related symptoms to to the coronavirus slash COVID nineteen, and um, slightly baffling. A lot of people obsessively buying cheap pasta and cheap canned goods as well. Um, I think it's like people are desperate to to live in their own apocalypse for some reason, um, but slightly weird. I'm interested to know if any listeners have stockpiled uh, tobacco or vaping products, because um, that feel that feels like it kind of goes against the symptoms of the of the virus. So if if you have, uh, let us know. And I've got to say, um, you're a gambler. Whoever you are, you're a gambler. <laughs> Yeah, well, obviously, it's not supposed to be too good for you during um, this particular illness if you are a vapor or a smoker, and encouraging people to give that up. Vaping right now, got to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what can you do, eh? Um, interestingly, I accidentally stockpiled a medicine that has been advised that you know people shouldn't stockpile because it might be needed as it's proving relatively effective in the treatment 
of, uh, of COVID-19. And that's something called, well, version I've got is called hydroxychloroquine, but chloroquine. So it's like a, an anti-malarial, but it's also used to treat autoimmune diseases and uh, inflammatory hmm, skin conditions as well. Uh, I'm not going to add too much detail, but, you know, I have a little bit of eczema and I get to use that to treat and I've got a year's supply in a drawer. So, um, yeah, if you're struggling, I'm selling it off. It's £40 for 10 Um, Just get in touch and, um, yeah, I'll sort you out. Got to make some money, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not cynical, you know. I'm not. I'm not one of those people selling toilet paper in butcher shops. Like I've seen about two hundred photos of. Um, so anyway, on the topic of general illness and all that sort of stuff, Nick Gillard of this parish, also known as Nick Gusset, says, "What's the unwellest you've been at a game?" Um, he, he, he's a, he's technically an English teacher, isn't he? He's used the word unwellest. To be honest, I think we should have Chris Clark on for this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got about 400 stories of being unwell at games, and in particular, recent times. Um, well, I mean, I witnessed him having to continuously go to vomit at a, a home game fairly recently, which was um, which was an experience. But generally speaking, he seems to be almost continuously unwell, and some might suggest reasons for that. You know, I certainly wouldn't cast aspersions. I mean. I was signed off work with uh, an, a nasty rib inflammation, but I still went to the football. It was quite uncomfortable. How do you get rib inflammation? I have a lot of problems. <laughs> All right. Well, okay, we'll leave it there. Hey, Mike, have you ever been really unwell at a game? Mostly it's when I've been with Chris Clark, to be honest. Uh, I think I've been fine before that. The last... I don't know, the last year of hanging out with him, um, I've been way drunker at the football and feeling ill than I ever have in the 20 years before that. So, Yeah, I mean, I feel fortunate. I've never really um, had any sort of mate. I've got, I've had health issues, but I tend not to have them at football. I've had many, many occasions where, I mean, I've just got complete blackouts from some games. And if you were an early listener to, to Homesdale Radio back in the day, you would have probably picked up on one or two occasions where I was reviewing games that I had zero memory of but um I think of the one that sort of sticks out in the memory in particular was I'd, I'd been out for a night out in London and basically went straight to Palace versus Newcastle from sleeping on my mate's floor uh in in North London and it's the first time I ever left a game early we were 2-0 down but it, I can handle losing a football match. I can't handle playing terribly, losing a football match and, and having the worst hangover I've ever had. It was just appalling. Way too much cider, just insane volumes of cider. And um, I've got a habit once I once I get past a certain level of drunk to switching straight away to shots, usually Jager bombs and stuff like that. And that is not a good mix the following day if you have stuff to do. So yeah, fortunate that I've not had any major, major illnesses at games. But um yeah, if you're uh, when you're yeah, obviously listening at home and all that stuff, uh, message us by any means you like and let us know how how ill you've been against. No really sad stories though. I don't want you know genuinely heartbreaking illnesses at games and and people being carted off in ambulances. That would that would be unkind. But you know, what I'm really after is stories where you've shit yourself at games. That's what I'm really looking for. So if you've got those, do send them in and we'll be happy to read them out in the next podcast. Reviews, predictions, comments and rants. Send us your voice clips on WhatsApp. 0203 575 1266.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Okay, so uh, there's not that much to talk about football-wise, um, obviously. So, scraped a couple of things that we're chatting about this week. One of them, obviously, boy, got a new contract. We discussed that the last couple of episodes. Uh, but there was an article up um, from HITC.com about a, a, a player that would be annoyed that Roy got a new contract. Uh, and it was basically saying that Max Mayer would be pissed off. Um, and he probably would be. So I think let's get the panel to discuss how much and why Max would be pissed off. And are there any other players in the squad that probably wouldn't benefit from Roy having another season if and when he lasts the coronavirus? <laughs> That's not the angle I was thinking of. But um, yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, I think, you know, Max is a is a topic that loads of people have discussed. I mean, I've got to say straight off that, that anybody who has found themselves not in favour with Hodgson is likely to be annoyed. I suggest that, you know, Riedeveld, although he's featured fairly recently and has been nothing but professional by all accounts, I, I dare say he wouldn't be overly joyed, you know, overjoyed, overly joyed. Hmm, let's keep, keep that. He would be overly joyed uh, at Roy staying on because he's obviously got to try and fight to get another opportunity as much as he sort of moved up the uh, the selection rankings, I think. But with Max, it's really a tricky one. Lots of people very much have moved from the idea that he's underused and, and been treated quite poorly. And a lot of people saying he's never really justified any of the, the sort of clamour for him to be involved. And in particular, the, the sort of points total and, and, and the results have suggested that it's the right call to keep him out. Um, I'm still very much on, on the side of, we've never really made any effort to accommodate him, you know, and that might genuinely just be because we don't have the personnel to do so. That seems to be Roy's belief. I don't think it's a, a fact that he doesn't rate the player. I just think he doesn't believe there's a squad there that to suit him. I think you really have to start adapting and changing the system and, and, and bringing in different types of players around him to, to do the things that he sort of can't bring. Um, but in my opinion, he, he can do stuff that, that other players in the squad can't do. Uh, and I can't help but think there's a way to accommodate him in that kind of attacking phase that would be hugely beneficial. And I've always enjoyed him linking up with Zaha and Van Aanholt on that left-hand side and the sort of few occasions that it's happened. But in the same way as if we'd have been losing loads, the best player in our side would be the one that isn't playing. The fact that we've been winning means at this current moment, Max Mayer seems like he's surplus to requirements. So that kind of article w- would get written. 
Um, and obviously, he's on fairly hefty wages because of the fact that he was signed a free transfer. I think it's about 80 grand if, if what I've read is to be believed, which it quite possibly isn't. Um, and if we're looking to pinch some pennies, sign some more players, you'd think he'd probably go. People have called him lightweight. I've certainly thought about it occasionally. Um, and people have suggested that Paris would be happy to get him off the, off the wage bill. On the other hand, we haven't got enough players as it is. So um, I'm not sure that's a great idea. Perhaps he does feel hard done by that he's not played enough games. But while the team keeps winning, you know, you, you couldn't expect that they're going to drastically change the way they play. For me, I think the player that perhaps most is worrying um, if you can worry when you're on a hundred grand a week, um, is Mama. Like I, I think Sacco has found himself just by the, the standard of play from other players and by the fact that a free transfer has turned out to be one of the best players in the in the squad. Um, he's found himself way down the pecking order, and you can't think that he's going to find himself back in the side that easily. So his age is against him. His wages are against him. Um, and he might have trouble, as we've discussed before, finding another club on the same wages. So for me, if I was going to say one player that wasn't too happy with Hodgson signing new contracts, probably Sacco. On the other hand, I kind of think he probably doesn't give a toss at the same time. I think he cares. I just think the situation with Sacco is, you know, we, we had no choice but to try and get someone else in because of, of how often he's injured, unfortunately. Um, I, I do think... My personal opinion, and we'll talk about this in a bit because we've got, um, you know, the uh, team of the decade poll that we've been been working on to talk about in a bit. Um, but I, I do think talent wise, he's still our best centre back, um, even accounting for how great that Gary Cahill's been. But he's just just not available enough. And yeah, you're right on, on that basis. You know, you kind of think, well, with the money we're paying. You know, it doesn't seem like it's uh, it's something worthwhile for the squad, and and he he probably will feel that he's in no he's got no desire to sign another contract. He's got a year left, so I think for all parties, he'll probably want to move on. Yeah, great. Just to clarify, when I say he doesn't give a toss, I, I just feel like he's the kind of man that would have two and a half toilet rolls in the current situation. He's pretty laid back, but like, I, I reckon he backs <laughs> himself to uh, to find another club. Sorry, I just jump in before Sam jumped in, mm. but yeah, need to clarify. Yeah, obviously talking. Well, he's a two and a half toilet roll. The seventy-two was it toilet rolls from Sam? Where are you on the the Max Mayer debate, though, Sam? I mean, it makes sense that he would be a bit pissed off that Roy was going to stay if he's not getting played. But also, if you look at it objectively, you don't change a winning team if you're a more senior manager. So, mm, but. I mean, there's always well, as as Mike said though, it's a winning team for the last three games. I think I had a problem with him not changing a a team that struggled for seventeen games in a row. But hey, let's not be negative. Let's um let's look at it how it is. You know, if he was as good as perhaps we hoped he would be, and I think that's probably a key thing. If he was as good as we hoped he would be, he would be in that team, and we would be playing around him. I think expectation has obviously played a part with, with Max Mayer. I can definitely see him leaving, but I think the other point is only 24, isn't he? So we've got enough problems with the average age of the squad and, and people entering parts of their career where their where their abilities are going to lessen. And it seems a shame that possibly one of the first out of the door would be one of the sort of bright, brighter future prospects. I was about to lead on to the next topic. Um, 
And then I just saw on Sky Sports News, which I've got um, on silent in the background, that Lahore, just obviously they're slow for news, they're going with anything. Lahore in the cricket just beat the Molten Sultans. That's got to be the... It's got to be the best game for a team <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. Um, Amazing. Yeah, let, let's get on to a question that Sam can really get a teeth into from Chris K on Twitter. Um, I think we got too serious, so let, let's go. Let's go to the real crux of the issue. What's happening in the alternate reality where Kevin Phillips missed the penalty in 2013 and Troy Deeney scored an undeserved extra time winner? So essentially, what happened if we didn't end up in the Premier League, Sam? Apocalypse. Oh wait, that's where we are. Uh, yeah, other than that, <laughs> we'd have just done it the next season. Wow, confidence. <laughs> um, that, yeah, well, I mean, Watford eventually went up, didn't they? So in in an automatic position as well. I'm ca- I'm calling it. We would have gone up in the following season as second in the league. Would Holloway have stayed as our manager? Yes. Yeah, okay. All right, so Holloway would have taken us up to automatic promotion. Okay. I don't uh, like this alternate reality. No, it's a horrible alternate reality, isn't it? Um, you think about all the wonderful... We'd never have seen Florian Morange play against Bristol City, would we? Uh, we'd never have seen Elliot Grandin in a Palace shirt, probably. Um, yeah. yeah. We wouldn't have signed Jordan much for 4.75 million or whatever he cost. Um, and Watford wouldn't hate Zaha so much, presumably, because he wouldn't have got the penalty that they still wank on about now. Well, it's, it's, I wouldn't say they they don't wank on about it, do they? It's, it's an inverse wank, if anything. Um, is is that a thing? Uh, in Probably. this topsy turvy world, yes, an inverse wank, yeah. All right. Okay, well, we'll go with that. Look, I'm going to quickly jump across um, to our team of the decade vote. So the vote at the last time of looking... Um, so we've got um, Julian Speroni in goal, haven't we? Um, and then it's uh, we're looking at left-backs now. So the two that were up for grabs were... It's up for grabs. It's the wrong way of putting it, but I'm just going to plough on. The two options were Patrick Van Arnholt and Pap Suare, suggesting that there's quite a dearth of options at left-back since we've been in the... Uh, in the last decade, really. And unsurprisingly, it was Patrick Van Arnholt that won the day with 91% of the vote, a mere 9% from uh, Pat Suari, and, and a decent sample size as well, 301 people. 273 went for PVA and 27 for Pat Suare. So quite significant that, Mike. I was expecting more of a, a Saddam Hussein level of uh, democratic vote victory. I, I thought that... Um, PVA would get about 99.8 and perhaps why would get a couple because people click the wrong button. Um, I just don't, I just don't see that in any of the other positions there's going to be anything remotely similar. I know in the, in the early times in the Premier League, Papa Suare, everyone loves him, but PVA is just it's a different league and it's, it's literally Papa Suare's found himself in a vote that he probably didn't even want to be in himself, is my thought on it. Alternate reality, ignoring Suarez's first game where I think he conceded a goal and then got a red card, what if he hadn't have broken his leg? It's a good question. It was one I was thinking about as well. If he hadn't crashed his lovely um, 
uh, Range Rover, I think it was, and turned it into a sort of small metallic box on the M4. Um, what would have happened? What would have happened? He was absolutely flying at the time, wasn't he? Um, I think Pards was our manager, wasn't he? And then, um, we, you know, we, we brought him in. He added much needed pace um, and was really sort of getting up to speed, was sort of starting to become a bit more of a threat up the pitch. Um, but again, similar to PVA, lots of people talked about the fact that he had defensive frailties but was really good going forward. Um, and Mike, that's probably the point that you were going to make, seeing as you've just popped your hand down from talking. It was. But what I would say is PVA's just better at it. And I'd, I'd imagine he'd probably, I don't know, he probably would have gone on a free to Wickham or something like that. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. So, um, is it, yeah, it's interesting you say that. I mean, you know, Roy went on record as saying that he considers PVA to be one of the best right-backs, uh, right-backs, left-backs in the Premier League. Um, so, obviously, he's a big fan as well. Uh, probably more so than, than a fair proportion of our fans. You do occasionally get on his back, but he seems to be very much in form at the moment. And, obviously, perhaps that break has come at a bad time uh, in terms of that momentum. But there we go. So that's great. So, so far, Speronian goal, PVA at left back for our team of the decade. The next vote is going to be between Scott Dan and Mama Sacco, which is an interesting one. So the four players that were voted for as centre-backs were Dan, Delaney, Tompkins and Sacco. Um, I won't give any answers as to why it's Dan v Sacco, Delaney v, v Tompkins or anything like that. Uh, but there's still time to get your votes in if you check our social media channels, I believe, and put your team of the decade in. Uh, we'll make sure we chuck up a link at some point for you to do that. Um, and, uh, yeah, get voting. But I have to say, looking at the scores so far, genuinely quite surprised. Hmm. Anyway, that's that's enough teasing of that. It's time for Mike's quiz. <laughs> Um, this is, I would say you can call it that, but what I've done is I've stolen a quiz from uh, my favourite or, or my probably my only regularly listened non-Palace pod, um, the Football Ramble, which I have adored for many, many a year. It's my first ever podcast. I name a footballer and they've played for X amount of clubs. Now, um, the first person to go, so we're going to let Sam go first. I give their name. She works out how many clubs she knows they've played for and says, okay, I know they've played for three clubs. So Hambo can then say, okay, you name them or no, I can name one more than that. I can name four. So it's it's kind of a bidding war until you get to the point where you're happy that you can't name any more and you let the other person name them. If they fuck up, you get the points. If they get it right, they get the points. So, the difference between uh, the Football Ramble one and this one is I'm only using Palace players. So obviously, one of the clubs they've played for is Palace. I'll tell you how many clubs they've played for. You need to name as many of the others as possible. I've gone for some nice, easy ones so far and current players. If we're gonna carry this on, it might get a little bit more obscure before you know it. We're talking about players from 1994, that kind of thing. Are you two happy with that? Overwhelmingly so. This is going to be a really short quiz. <laughs> so, so five five players, um, the best of five wins. And I've chosen some excellent ones. Going to start with a man that divides opinion a little bit, Glenn Murray. Now, Glenn Murray 
and I realise some of these clubs are pretty damn obscure, has played for 11 clubs. So, Sam, how many of those 11 clubs are you sure that he's played for? How many can you definitely name? Uh, I'm going to go four. And obviously, in including oh that days. four is including that four is Palace. That's where it gets a little bit different to normal. So you, you've pretty much got one. So you can name three. So can you name more than four, Hambo? Oh God, um, I definitely know four. Do I know a fifth? Well, oh, that, that, yeah, case, I'm gonna go with five. Okay, so Sam, will you will you go six or will you let? Hambo, try and get it. And if he gets it wrong, you get the point. He can go. Let's try it. Oh, okay. Hambo, right, it's I'm really tempted to go. really tempted to go for the most obscure one first, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take that risk because that would have been a sick, I reckon. So I'm going to go, I mean, obviously Palace, right? Um, and obviously Brighton. And obviously Bournemouth. So that's and three. Obviously Roch, and obviously Rochdale. That's four. And I'm going to go with my fifth. I'm going to say Reading on loan. Yes, good work. Yes. Did he play uh, for? Is... Uh, did he play for Workington? He played for Workington Reds between 2002 <laughs> and 2004. There you go. That, that was my incredible knowledge. Um, okay, so the 36-year-old has played for. I've forgotten how many clubs. I just said uh, 11 clubs. Workington Reds. Wilmington Hammerheads, I think I'd have given you the game if you'd have come up with that. <laughs> um, Barrow, Carlisle, Stockport, Rochdale, Brighton, Palace, Reading, Bournemouth, and then back to Brighton again. So, yes, that is 1-0 to Hambo. You're starting again, Hambo, on Andros Townsend. Now, I was stunned to find that Andros Townsend has played for 12 clubs. Yeah, it's insane, isn't it? So much loaning. Um, let me so, have a little think. It's off the think about how many I can think of. I reckon five. Okay, Sam, are you going to let him go for five, or are you going to try and go six? I mean, I got, I, I got to say six, haven't I? Uh, yeah, but if you get any wrong, you've got, you've got no leeway. So if you go six, cool. Okay, so Sam, do you want to? I mean, do I get to bid oh, wait, again? Wait, wait, there's no bartering. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, yeah, I've, yeah, you're right. I've cut this up. You can go seven if you want. Do I want to go seven? I'm just going to count some stuff on my fingers. Bear with me. How have I still managed Google. to cut this up? <laughs> I'm not Googling. You, you, you feel free. I'm just... Um, no, no, I'm going to let Sam do it. How many yeah. did I say? It Six. goes without saying that if... if if I check your ISP later and you've Googled and you've gone on Wikipedia, then um, it's a 5-0 whitewash defeat. Um, yes, you've got, to, you've got to go six. Okay. Palace? 125 games for Palace currently. Newcastle? 13 games for Newcastle. I thought it was a lot more than that. Hmm. Spurs? 50 games for Spurs. Uh, Birmingham City? Yes. 2012. Uh, uh, hang on. How long do I get to do this? 
Uh, I hadn't put a time limit on it, but... Uh, Ipswich. Yes. And... Leighton Orient. Uh, yes. Yes. What? <laughs> yes. Unbelievable, I mean, well done. He, he's a lovely man. Yes, so that is one A piece. One Could have been Yeovil as well, by the way. That's the only other one I knew. Uh, Yeovil. Yes, so Spurs, Yeovil, Leighton, Orient, MK Dons, Ipswich. Watford did not know he's a Watford player. Millwall did not know he's a Millwall player. Um, Leeds United, Birmingham City and QPR. I, I think I could have got four. Could have got QPR, Spurs, Newcastle and obviously Palace. So that is one apiece. Um, so the next player, and this is you going first, Sam. Patrick Van Arnholt. So how many teams do you think he's played for? How can you? How many can you name? <laughs> Two. Can you go three? Yeah, Wait. I can go three. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you go four. No. Okay, go for three. I think I think you're probably going to get this number. That's Chelsea Palace Sunderland. Yes, yes. Um, there was only three parent clubs. He also had some loan spells at Coventry, Newcastle United, which I was unaware of, Leicester City, Wigan. And Vitesse, who he spent three years at. Um, See, I was going to go with, I think, Wilhelm or something like that. It's another Dutch club instead of Vitesse, so I would have failed if I'd gone, got cocky and tried that. I mean, it's interesting. He played almost as many games for them as he's played for Palace. Um, and he's played 97 games for Palace, which is um, which is surprising. But then I suppose his, the, the thing that sticks in my head is the, uh, the Middlesbrough 1-0 game when we're really up... A, against it and he scored that amazing second half goal and that would have been a fair while ago now just shows that life is short so uh, that's 2-1 I'm going to go for one a little bit more left field for you Hambo to start with Um, and this is a player that left us some time ago I love him Nathaniel Klein he's only played for four clubs how many can you name let me have a little think. Um, do we do we count youth career or not? No. Okay. Loans only, but only only uh, professional. I really want to know the. I'm trying to think of the fourth. Well, yeah, that's pretty much it, isn't it? I mean, I can definitely do three. So I'm going to go with three and see if Sam wants to risk the fourth. Sam, four. When was the fourth? Oh, I'm not going to tell well, you. Are we getting clues? Are we? <laughs> <laughs> got to make it easier, right? Uh, no. All right, I'll give it a go. Okay. Uh, so, for all four teams. So, this is a full house for Nathaniel Klein's professional career. Obviously, Palace. So, you've got three others. I'm guessing national teams don't count. No, can I just say I'm really annoyed because I just remembered the fourth. But anyway, carry on. Crystal Palace. Southampton. Liverpool. Bournemouth. Yes. Shit. <laughs> did, you get, did you get it wrong? Did it... No, it was. I, I, I immediately remembered Bournemouth after, you know, Zaha made him fall over. Literally the moment Sam said she'd do the fourth. 
Um, I've got a few choices to go with. I who's going first? Hey. Sam, isn't it? Yeah. I, I'm going to go with a hard one because this is a tiebreaker. I'm going to go with uh, the 33-year-old apple of most people's eyes, Wayne Robert Hennessy. How many? He's played for five uh, clubs. How many of those can you name? Three. That is one more than I could name. Um, Hamburg? Oh, dear God. Um, I'm going to have to let Sam go for it because I can't. Can't beat it. Okay. Really? Yeah, go for it. Okay. I mean, that's, that's not surprising. I, I don't think I could name more than two. Okay. Wolves. Palace. Stockport. Yes. What? How on earth do you remember that he played for Stockport? Uh, I have, I have a, a. I mean, I am not going to accuse anyone of cheating. <laughs> I mean, I'm not no. that kind of person. <laughs> well, so I'm just going to go on mute for a sec. Bear with me. I finished. I finished him off mute now. It's fine. That is that is a three-two victory uh, for Sam. <laughs> no, I'm, Sam. I'm, that's that's the last time I I am on the podcast now, isn't it? Well, no, you could always come on for guest appearance. No, I don't think I'm going to be allowed. I mean, well, I think I I, I don't know. I, I think I need to avenge my my defeat seriously. Um, so I'm going to devise a quiz. Um, I'm, I'm hey, I, I'm I'm going to be gracious. Well done, Sam. That was incredible knowledge. I, I had no idea that Wayne Hennessy had played for any other clubs other than Wolves and Palace. So, well, what was the other one then? Two? Uh, the, the two other clubs that he played for. He played yeah. for oh, he played for Bristol City and Yeovil Town. Believable stuff. Well, thank you very much. That was an excellent quiz, and we'll definitely, definitely play that again. And if it's any consolation, I know you you've stolen it from Football Ramble, but I've seen it on a couple of TV shows and and heard it on a podcast as well in, in a similar vein. So I think it's a well established format that anyone can steal. So that's fine, right? Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed playing along at home. But that's more than enough. I don't know how the hell we've managed to get an hour out of that, but well done, everybody. Uh, Thanks to Mikey for producing. Thank you to Sam and Mike, and of course for you you for listening. And I dare say we'll be back very soon. Uh, And take care of yourselves out there. You know, isolate if you need to isolate and all that business, and hopefully the football will be back soon. Cheerio. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's my dream to uh, to sing on my my football podcast. It really is. Thanks, thanks, Mikey. If we can include the fact that you've made me do this, including your general bullying, that'd be really appreciated. Okay, so this is apparently going to last twenty seconds. Uh, one of my favourites as a kid. I was a big fan of uh, Jason Donovan's version of this song. I closed my eyes, drew back the curtain. To see for certain what I thought I knew Far, far away Someone was weeping Probably my neighbours because they're hearing this But the world was sleeping Any dream will do How was that, Mikey? Did you enjoy that? That's what she said. In India, there is one eye doctor for every 70,000 people making it difficult to get access to eye care. That's why Forest Health created a portable eye screening device 
which uses Microsoft AI to bring eye care to the people. Technicians capture photographs of a patient's retina and AI screens for whether they're at risk of blindness, so those at risk can get the treatment they need. Discover how AI empowers healthcare at microsoft.com forward slash AI. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.